Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I am your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. My co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. He's on vacation, so for this episode, I have a special guest co-host. He's the man behind the Sly Dog Music Cast. Here's Alex Alt. Hey, how's it going, Ben? Good, good. Alex, welcome. Uh, for this episode, we also have a special guest. Her debut full-length record is called First Time Feeling. Um, I've already raved about it on multiple previous episodes, so please welcome to the podcast, Leah Blevins. Thank you all so much for having me. Absolutely. So so you might hear a little background noise. That's, that's Leah. She is on the way to a gig. Where are you going? I'm going to a place near Appleton, um, Wisconsin. Opening for someone, or are you are you doing some headlining stuff? It's a festival based thing. So there's um, a buddy of mine, Andrew Leahy. My, yeah, um, yeah. My husband and I we um, we toured in 2020 and played a, a house show uh, for these folks. So it's good to be back. Good, good. Andrew Leahy, a previous guest on the podcast as well. So tell him hi for us. Yep. Very, very good. All right. So um, let me start with Alex before we jump into um, some questions about your your music, Leah. So Alex, we've been trying to get you on the podcast for some time. So I appreciate you pinch hitting for Wayne. Awesome. I've been wanting to be on for a long time. So this is great. (laughs) Yeah. So you've been uh, you've been a busy traveler lately. So you did Rock and Pod Expo mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. How was that? It was an incredible experience. You know, a lot of these people in this podcast community I've I've talked to online. I've met on Zoom, but I've never met them face to face. So I've made these friends online. And I've never seen them. So it was great to finally meet some of them in person, like Sonny Pooney, Stephen Michael Chambers, the Covers and Fire guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I got to interview a lot of great people like Carmine Peace and Jax Hollow. So that was a blast as well. And just being in Nashville was great too. So that was awesome. Very cool. And you um, you just posted some pictures earlier this week that you went to Paisley Park. Yep. And I am super jealous. Super jealous. Yeah, I, it was it was a dream come true for me. I'm a super huge Prince fan. And I've been wanting to go for a long time. So when we... My wife and I came up with with the idea to do our little like yearly anniversary celebration. Like, why don't we do it in Minnesota and you can go to Paisley Park? I was like, yeah. So we went and we did the tour and it was just really cool. You got to see like how like the studios he was in, like he was recording in. You got to see a lot of, you know, pieces of his clothing and platinum albums and stuff like that. But also just like the creative space he was in. He really built a really cool like place for himself, like where he didn't have to separate his life from his art. He lived there and he like lived and breathed yeah. his art. It was really cool to see that. And you kind of, I don't know, like it's, it may sound corny to some people, but you kind of felt in there. You felt that spirit you get from his music. You really did feel it in the building. And just kind of a funny highlight for me is I got to play ping pong on Prince's ping pong table. So that was fun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, Leah, uh, you a Prince fan at all? I feel like if, if you're not a Prince fan in this lifetime, then you're living under a rock in some capacity. That's that's a good answer. Amen. Okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, Leah, let's talk about uh, First Time Feeling. Um, I already mentioned in the intro that I'm I'm in love with your album. Um, so let me ask a couple questions on the record. So produced by Paul, is it Cawthon? It is. Correct. And, and Bo Bedford, I don't know Bo's work. I do know Paul from some of his own music. Do I know Bo's work? Um, have you heard of a band called the Texas Gentleman? Yes. He was a member of that band and still is. Um, okay. In some way. But yeah, really good guy. He's um, he's a wizard of his craft for sure. Very good. Um, so let's talk about your musical journey. So you're in Nashville now, correct? Mm-hmm. And you're originally from where? I'm originally from Sandy Hook, Kentucky. So that's like um, really far northeast Kentucky. Okay. When did you make the jump to go to Nashville? I was 20, uh, 20 and then actually made the move when I was 21. We were travel- I was in a band singing background vocals, and we were traveling back and forth. And 
um, we all just kind of came to the consensus that it made much more sense for us to take the leap and, and move. So I did in 2012. Okay. All right. So your album, um, so the one thing that we haven't, we haven't done yet and uh, is I haven't asked the all-important question. I haven't asked the T-shirt question. Okay. So, so Leah, what, what T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing the Mountaineers West Virginia um, like team, if you will. My grandparents are from Logan, West Virginia, so this is my papa's okay. sweatshirt. Not so much a band T-shirt. Very good. But <laughs> All, all good, all good. How about you, Alex? What T-shirt are you wearing? So I initially planned to wear a music T-shirt, but I kind of ended up burning through those pretty quickly on this vacation. So I'm wearing my uh, T-shirt with uh, Baby Yoda Grogu on it today. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I've never, I've never watched The Mandalorian, but I think he's adorable. So that's why I got the shirt. There you go. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, I am wearing a shirt that has a connection. Um, to, to Leah. So I'm wearing my Neil Young Harvest t-shirt. Yeah! Rock and roll. So, nice. so the way that I got introduced to, to you, Leah, was a few years ago, you did a cover of one of my all-time favorite songs, Heart of Gold. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, this is somebody that I'm going to follow on Spotify. So, so you did your EP and then this album comes out and... I was even telling Alex before we before we all jumped on, I'm like, I've been really lazy about reaching out to guests because um, I don't have to right now. It's it's all been like referrals. People keep getting referred over to us from, from previous guests. And you are one that I'm like, I need to have Leah on the, on the podcast because I want to promote the hell out of this record. Oh, thank you, Ben. So, that means a lot to me. So there's the connection. So um, let's talk. Let's talk your album. Okay. So favorite song on the album for me, "Little Birds," that absolutely kills me. I love it. No little bird, take me home, cause I still love you after all that I know. You told me your secret, all your dirty little secrets, just what I Saw me bathing in the moonlight in a Texas riverbed. After collecting admirers, just to wash them off again. You could see that I was startled when I saw you gazing from afar. Baby, I'll be Uh, the song sounds super personal, or are you just channeling some stuff into the lyrics? You know, it was um, a lot of just back and forth with the guy that I wrote it with. And that day, I had watched the movie Pretty Woman, and he and I were okay. just kind of, I know, it's like a random um, ode to that, but we uh, were just discussing, like, you know, we all come to the table in certain relationships with baggage, and we kind of want to come across with this, like, clear vision of things, but really, you can't run from those those um you know those past moments so it's just about somebody kind of accepting the person for their entirety um with a little kind of blurred twist in inside of the lyrics too yeah so um so i'm hoping that uh it's not autobiographical when you when you put down the lyrics of most people singing on poison no, I'm sure that could cup. be the case at, at some days in my in my time here, but not okay. so much now. <laughs> all right, all right, good, good. Um, other favorite Mexican restaurant? Am I reading into the lyrics enough that there's a little bit of um, some stalkerish stuff going on? Uh, could be, yeah. That that one is very personal. That's like a, a true story okay. on my end, um, very much so, and it's it's just about like young love and and kind of that admiration that you have for somebody when you you know 
when you feel that initial spark. All right, so how many Mexican restaurants did you go to to try and find this guy? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Sometimes the same one. <laughs> go to all your favorite Mexican restaurants just to sit and wonder where you are. And I drive all the way out to Virginia to find where the true lovers park their cars. And I'd sit and listen to your in-depth depiction of the truth and words can do to a woman's heart. I wish I could be what you want, but baby be in one it only lasts for a while rich or poor I don't care for it I only need four minutes of your time you're so hard to find all right, so if you listen to other episodes of mine, um, you'll know that I'm a sequence guy. So listening to your album, I think Fossil and Mountain are both perfect album side closers. Um, and and for Mountain, you know, my first time listening to it before I even looked at, uh, you know, the credits and whatnot, I'm like, that sure sounds like the Wat- Watson twins. And um, sure enough, it is, right? <laughs> yep, you guessed right. Yeah, I love their work with Jenny Lewis. I saw them open for Jenny a few years ago as they were promoting their record duo. Um, how did that happen? How did you get connected with the Watson Twins? Well, you know, just being in Nashville, um, they were like a, a prized uh, just gift to everybody. And I had seen them play with Jesse Balin a few times because I'm a huge fan of hers. So it okay. was, um, they're friends of Bo's as well. So Bo kind of made that initial connection for them to be on the record. But all that to say I was definitely a fan prior to them being on it singing on it being willing to and I'm an identical twin as well so it's that sentiment of just the miracle of being a twin in its own right um so is your twin musical as well yeah very much so um we have a group together called Sister Justice and we've been singing together since we were you know we were little and it's just a big big aspect of our my mom's side of the family we all sing and play so she took the plunge to go to nashville as well she did but um i guess it was six years after i lived there she finished college and then uh, made the plunge yeah gotcha gotcha all right well i see that you're going on tour with marcus king uh is this solo solo dates or are you doing full band for that this is going to be solo dates Okay. Hopefully next year we'll have a band dialed in more so. But. You you going to be able to bring the Watson twins with you for that full band? <laughs> Maybe a couple of years from now when I can afford them, but that would that's definitely <laughs> something I'm manifesting. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right, well, when you get a chance to see Marcus and you get to hang out with him, tell him um, his people need to return some emails of mine because I've wanted him on the podcast for like two years. Um, since Maggie Rose recommended he, that he needs to come on the podcast. So so throw that in his ear. You got it. You have my word. Maggie's amazing as well. Yeah, absolutely. We love her on the on the podcast. All right. So, um, so, so Leah, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose Stevie Nicks' Trouble in Shangri-La. I'm no longer surprised by the, 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 the guest picks. Um I really didn't have any expectations. I didn't, you know, I, I think listening to your album, you would think, oh, maybe she'll pick a, an old um, Dolly Parton record or, you know, a Patsy Cline record or something, you know, some old country, because there is definitely that old country vibe. So when you came back and said, I want to do, I want to do a Stevie Nicks record, I'm like, yeah, man, let's do this. <laughs> oh man, there's so many artists that I feel like could be a curveball in terms of who I listen to, but she's just she's been an idol since I was 11. Since I heard this record, really. So why this one uh, as opposed to some of the the more um widely 
known. You know, Alex and I, we were talking before you jumped on, we were talking about, you know, her first two solo records, which are just, you know, Belladonna and, and um, what is it, The Wild Heart? The Wild Heart. Yeah. Those are both Wild fantastic Heart. records. Yeah. And then Rooms on Fires after that. They are. I mean, anything she touches is gold. And I think once you are, you know, initially introduced to Stevie Nicks, that's someone that you never, it's just kind of ingrained in you after that. But um, I was so young when I heard this record for the first time that I think just that it was ingrained in me. And I, it's a record that I come back to quite a bit, you know. I think a lot of people do that. You come back to the records, it's like a comfort food almost. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, how about you? How did you get to introduce to Stevie? So Stevie's kind of been around. I have a funny story discovering Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. So when the Dixie Chicks put out their song, their cover of Landslide, well, I was a little kid, and I heard that, and I th- it was one of my favorite songs I'd ever heard at that point. I thought it was so cool, and I'd walk around singing it. And my dad heard me singing it, and he goes, oh, that's a Fleetwood Mac song. I'm like, no, that's a Dixie Chicks song. He goes, no, 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 come with me. And he took me down to his office, and he got out the best of Fleetwood Mac, and he played me the Fleetwood Mac version of the song. And hearing Stevie's voice just blew me away. Like, it immediately kind of like, I still enjoy the Dixie Chicks version, but man, that Fleetwood Mac version is really special to me. And that always stuck with me. And then a couple years ago, I decided I'm going to deep dive like Stevie Nicks's like solo albums. I knew the hits, I'd heard like the best of, but I really dove into like the albums and this one in particular, Trouble in Shangri-La. It was one of the first ones I picked up. Like I, the first two I picked up were Belladonna and this one and I fell in love with this record. Like there's some songs on here that are like in my top like 5 Stevie Nicks songs ever. They're just incredible. And she put a lot of time and work into this rec- record too. Like she started recording it in 1995. It didn't come out to like 2000, 2001. So like she really spent time crafting these songs. All right. So bio info on this. So released in May of 2001, it is the sixth studio album from Stevie. Uh, this was essentially sandwiched between a couple Fleetwood Mac projects. Of course, the much heralded 1997 concert called the dance which um, you know brought back the five members from their most popular run in the in the seventies uh, and eighties. Uh, remains one of my f- my my favorite live recordings ever. Um, especially if you watch the video for Silver Springs, gives me chills every freaking time. Um, I don't know if you, you. I'm I'm assuming that both of you guys have watched the dance, right? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, 2003, Say You Will from the band um, came out after this. Um, not a bad record, but suffered from having no Christine McVie. That's that's my my biggest criticism of Say You Will. It's a little long. <laughs> and it's, it's a little, little long. <laughs> yeah, it's a little long. But it, do, it does have some great Stevie songs on there. I love Thrown Down. That's, that's the best song on the record. Absolutely. All right, uh, enough talk about that band because we're going to talk about Trouble in Shangri-La. So this one was a commercial success, debuted and peaked at number five on the Billboard chart in May of 2001, did did achieve gold status. Um, not bad considering it, that 2001 was like the peak of Napster in a legal download. So consider, considering the state of music at that time, getting into the top 10, um, also for legacy acts like Stevie was no small feat. I had to do this because I, I love going through old billboard charts. Y'all want to hear the stuff that was in the top 10 during the same week that she peaked at number five? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So here's here's the top 10. Number 10 was open letter from Case. I don't know Case. Anyone know Case? I don't think so. Nope. I got nothing. I don't know all right, Uncle Cracker Double Wide is number nine. Uh, Shaggy Hot Shot is number eight. I remember. Tupac Until the End of Time was number seven. Okay. okay. Pop Stars by Eden's Crush was sixth. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Do you guys know Eden's Crush? No. I don't either. All right. Um, ahead of Stevie was... Set the circus down from Tim McGraw. Okay. Okay. Now number six was 
third, which all those now, this is what we call music compilations, were pretty dang popular in the early 2000s. All For You from Janet was number two, and then Destiny's Child Survivor was the top spot. Not surprised. I mean, Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Beyonce Beyonce was everywhere. All right. um, Other things about this this album. So two tracks from the the sessions were actually given to other film soundtracks. Um, Y'all can listen to those um, at your leisure. Uh, If you ever did believe was on, was it Practical Magic? It's a great movie. I don't know that movie. Watch it every day. Okay, who's in it? Yep. Who's in it? Sandra, Sandra Bullock and um, Keith Urban's wife, Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. I've never really watched good. it. Okay. I will. Well, you know, Halloween is approaching, Alex. I will do it. Um, I will do it. Awesome. Um, and then what was the other one? Crystal, I think. Crystal. Yes. Crystal. This is also a practical that, magic. Th- that's right. That's right. All right. You guys ready to dive into this? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Uh, Alex, this is where I usually throw it to Wayne. So, Alex, how many songs on this record? 13. It means our top song is going to get 13 points. Next favorite, 12, on down to lowest score of one. So we're going to kick this off with title track, Trouble in Shangri-La. And I'm just going to throw this over to Alex because Alex, you had the highest score out of all three of us. So, what is it about the the title track that you like so much? So, this is one of the earlier tracks uh, on the album. It was one of the first ones recorded. It was recorded in 90, 1995 originally. Um, I love this song's urgency, and Stevie's voice has that wonderful ethereal quality her voice always has. Like, like th- there's a reason she's called the Welsh w- Welsh witch because she's magical when she sings, and this song has that. It has that ethereal quality. It's uh, kind of like you know, I feel like this kind like the ride takes off with this album, and you're just whisked into this world of, like magic and like smoke, and like like. Yeah, like it's like a witch's lair. It's really cool. I love this song. Um, it's to me, it sounds like someone that's in a really bad relationship with someone that keeps hurting them, but you keep making excuses for them. It's like a less compassionate version of Silver Springs. So yeah, I love this song. Yeah. All right, Leah, you didn't give this a very high score. How come? I felt like uh, it's an obvious. So it was hard for me to kind of categorize the scoring for all of these, but it was like I didn't want to put the title track as my number one, so I kind of put it second to last. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I love it. All right. No so I'm. All right. I'm somewhere in the middle of uh, between the two. So I gave this my nine. Alex, what was your score? Mine was twelve. Okay. Mine was two. All right. All right. Next song is Candle Bright. And we do have some guest appearances on this song, including Ben Montench on keys, Matt Chamberlain's on drums, Peter Stroud on mandolin, which I really dig Peter's mandolin on this song. Um, and he's done a lot of work with um, with Cheryl Crow as her band leader. And um, Peter also worked with Pete Roche on a, on a number of his records as well. Um one other person that's on this on this uh, song, Cheryl Crow on guitars. I didn't know that. 
She's not on backing vocals for this one, but she does play guitars on this one. So that's yeah. that's still Sharon and Lori who um, you know, are really the uh the right hand for 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 Stevie on all of her records. Um the one thing that I I found out this morning, so the origins of this song dates back to 1970. The publishing on this is 1970, so an early song by Stevie that she kind of resurrected. Um this overall didn't score super high for us. It's kind of middle of the road. Leah, what do you, what is it about Candle Bright? I gave it a seven. I, I feel like this song, well, all of them, if you, when you listen to the record, it's like they have this way of like how it would end with one note and then just pop right up to one that's lower or higher going into the next song. And that's, I think that's like essentially could be like an earworm in its own right. And this song has a million earworms to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Alex, how about you? Anything on Candle Bright? This is my four. Um, it's like you said, it's a really old song. This was uh, written around the time they did the Buckingham Knicks album, and it was originally called Nomad. Um, and it almost got used on the self-titled Fleetwood Mac album, but they replaced it with Rhiannon. Oh. So that ended up working yeah, out. It did. Um, and appropriately enough, this feels like it could be a Fleetwood Mac song. Um, I like it. Um, Stevie again her her voice is like the magic on this song but to me the the song slows the momentum on the album a bit for me. It's not a bad song. I just feel like maybe if it was placed differently I would have scored it higher, but yeah, that's uh that's how I feel about Candle Bright. Alex, I'm glad we have ki- we we have a a kindred uh, love of sequencing. So yeah, that's probably my criticism on this song as well. Maybe bury it a little bit further down in the in the album. Um because I think, I think if you would have gone from Trouble in Shangri-La to the next song that we're going to talk about, I think that that would just keep the momentum going really well. Um, I gave this my six. Leah, what was your score? Oh, I gave it a seven. Okay. And then Alex, your score? Mine was four. Okay. All right. So next song is Sorcerer. We do hear Cheryl Crow vocals on this particular song. Um, all right, so so tell me, Leah, what what is it about Sorcerer that you love? I, I think it's like the imagery of how the song like takes you for me, and it's like I imagine just what Stevie I feel like implements in her live performance. I don't know if you've seen you all seen her play live, but they incorporate this in the Fleetwood Mac set, or they did when I when I watched them play a few years back, and that was when. Christine McVie, that was the first time they had played in 16 years because she was fearful to fly. Um, but they played Sorcerer that night at Bridgestone, so it was pretty special. So I scored this one a 12. Very good, very good. Um, Alex, anything on this one? Uh, yeah, I enjoy this Enjoy this song. It's Again, there's that witchy vibe. Again, this one goes back to, uh, this was written for the movie uh, Streets of Fire and was sang by Marilyn Martin on the soundtrack. Um, I love I love this song. I love the groove, like the drum hits when she sings "Sorcerer, who is the master." I love that. Like the, it's got a really good groove. It's just classic Stevie Nicks. The, yeah, this is my nine. And this is my eleven. All right, uh, moving on to Planets of the Universe. And I'm just going to throw this over to you, Alex, because I have the benefit of seeing scores in advance. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite song on the album. I 
adore this one. This has been one of my favorite Stevie Nicks songs for a really long time, actually. Uh, I heard it on that Best Of compilation. Uh, I think it's called Crystal Visions. Uh, yeah, this was a leftover from Rumors, and I love the vibe and the atmosphere of the song. It's very big and lush. Um, it's another, like, you know, breakup song about about her and Lindsay again and Stevie's really not happy on this one uh the basic message is you know something's gonna like something like that can end a relationship can end or a person can go away but the world will keep turning without you so it's a little dark um I love her urgency and her vocal delivery and the like again like the images it invokes the planets in the universe like it just incredible yeah this is my 13 I love it I meant to go read the original lyrics because one thing that I did read was the original. This is not the original lyrics. She she left yeah. out a verse that was a little um, mean towards Lindsay. Yeah, she basically says she wishes wishes he would disappear. Like oh okay, go, and I wouldn't yeah. care if you did type type of thing. Subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I really love Steve Ferrone on the drums on this one. Um, if you're keeping score at home, we've talked about Steve Ferrone plenty on this record on this uh, podcast because he's a heartbreaker, and um, he'll contribute drums on a few other tracks uh, that are coming up. Um, Leah, anything on Planets of the Universe? I feel like this is just a song about kind of like, again, to add or echo what Alex was saying, it's kind of a, a sassy song, but still moves, you know, as far as like, if you were to have this in a live set, it would, it would keep the momentum. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> Total. Totally. All right, Alex, your score. This is my 13. All right. Leah. This is my number 10. Okay. And I feel bad. This is my four. Ah. All right. I we know, forgive I'm you. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next song is Every Day. This song is going to start a streak in the album of songs not written by Stevie. This this was penned by John Shanks and Damon Johnson. Uh, John is a producer of some of these songs, either by himself or co-produced with Stevie on a few of these few of these songs. This was a single. Um, I do remember hearing it off for a brief time on the radio down here in Orlando. Um, my favorite drive time show in 2001, 2002 was um, kind of more geared towards adult top 40. And um, so I think this peaked at like number 39 on the uh, top 40. So not a big hit, but um, I do recall it getting some some radio play. Um, I just like it. I, I know I've got the highest score out of out of both of you. So I gave this my 12. Um, I just think it's a it's a well written pop song, and um, I kind of like I as much as I love Stevie when she rocks it. I I also love her when she does the pop stuff. So um, so I gave it a, gave it a way higher score than you two did. But Alex, um, anything on every day? Yeah, it's. I, I let me say this to start out with. It's not a bad song, but it just feels so basic compared to the like the rest of the albums especially when you have planets of the universe right before this like it really kind of and and sorcerer like are you calling me basic alex (laughs) uh no no but the song yes yeah the the, uh yeah it's not bad I, i i like her vocal on it again and funnily enough i'm on vacation right now and i was out playing mini golf with the in laws and uh, while we were playing mini golf, like they have music like piped into the chorus, like this song came on while we were playing, and I had Very to laugh because I knew I'd be talking about the album in a couple of days. But it, when I think when I think about it, it was like it was like next, it, like played next to like share and something else. So yeah, I don't know, to kind of hear Stevie in that weird 
weird little now, area now was kind of strange. So now you're making me rethink my score when you <laughs> this. With and I love share, by the way. I love share, right. by the way. But all right, all right, Leah. Anything on this? You know, I'd forgotten. I, I forgive me for this. It's a blasphemy to say this about anything Stevie puts her hands on or sings, but I kind of forgot about this song and. To echo what Alex is saying again, it's kind of like that generic, one of the only generic ones, I think, in the bundle of all of these. Okay. So I gave it a four. Forgive me. All right. (laughs) No, it's all good. This is my 12. Alex, your score? This is my three. Okay. All right. We're all over the place. Um, (laughs) I love it. All right. Next song, Too Far From Texas. And the other female voice on this album, you already brought brought them up previously, Alex. So this is Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, this is this song kind of felt full circle with the first time I heard it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I really like this song. It's a little more country centric, but I think Stevie's voice fits that w- as well. She's flirted with it in the past. You know, you look at a song like Leather and Lace or uh, After the Glitter Fades, like those are yeah. country flavored songs. And it's not that far off from classic Stevie, I think. Uh, I was kind of surprised this one wasn't a single because the Dixie Chicks were big at the time this came out. I think this could have been a crossover hit. Uh, yeah, it's just a catchy little song. I love it. Nice little pop country tune. Uh, ben Montench on organ, which is great. This is my 11. I love it. It's the album Stop Dragging My Heart Around. All right. Love it. Leah, anything? I think back when I was like listening to this record, and also the, uh, a record that came out that year was Leanne Womack, and it was a little past Little Rock, and it was kind of that, that tribute to leaving Texas as well. So that kind of is where my brain steers. But yeah. I scored this one a five, but again, all of these, it was hard to kind of hone in on a number for them. I get it. Yeah, um, and this was my 10. I've, just a couple other things of note. So this was written by Steve Booker and Sandy Stewart. And um, Sandy, you can hear on a number of previous Stevie tracks, including Nightbird. Um, she she wrote a couple, or, or I can't remember if she co-wrote some of the songs off of The Wild Heart, but I know that she... She does play synth on a number of songs on that on that particular record. So, there you go. Um, co-producer on this one, another heartbreaker, Mike Campbell. He provides yes. guitars on this nice. track along with Wadi Wachtel. So there you go. Some 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 killer killer personnel on this on this particular song. All right, uh, next song is that made me stronger. And speaking of heartbreakers, you can thank Tom Petty Tom for Petty. this song. Yeah. Yep. All right. Who wants to share the story? <laughs> you guys go ahead. I feel like you've All got right. more facts. So, yeah, in 95, Stevie was, you know, she basically was feeling like she had writer's block. So she went and had dinner with Tom Petty and she basically asked him to write songs for her. And he told her, no. Uh, you're one of the greatest songwriters I know of. You can do this. The songs are in there. You just got to, you know, let them come out. And I guess that conversation really helped her. And she started writing the songs that would become this album. And there's two songs about this story. There's this one and a song I like a little more on, on an album called 24 Karat Gold. There's a song called Hard Advice, which is mm. the same story, but it's told a little It's told a little differently. It's a little uh, more solemn. It's a bit more of a ballad. Yeah, the lyric the lyric uh, included on this one is, um, he says, "No, you write your songs yourself." Yep. So, I think what what's ironic from from this is, um, so 
from those writing sessions that she that she did, she also wrote Trouble in Shangri-La. She also wrote the closing song Love Is. Those were all born from Tom giving her the advice of, nope, go do it yourself. Um, I do find it a little bit ironic, maybe. I guess that's the word I'd use, um, that co-writing credits go to two other people for this song. So there is, there is, there is a couple, a couple other people, Scott Crago and Timothy Drury, um, who are uh, who get uh, songwriting credits for this. Um, Cheryl Crow is again on this album or on on this track. She's on the acoustic. Jeff Trot is on electric, and we haven't really talked about Jeff yet. He's on some of the previous songs. He's maybe best known for co-writing some of Cheryl's big hits including uh, If It Makes You Happy and Every Day is a Winding Road. Those are, um, those are co-writes of, of Jeff, so not too shabby. Alex, what was your score on That Made Me this, Stronger? This is my six. Okay. Leah? I scored this one a nine. I love this song to date. It just kind of gets me in a mood. Gotcha. All right, this is my seven. All right, that leads us up to It's Only Love. In the center of this blizzard you stood And melted all the ice It's only love It's only love If And again, since I have the benefit of seeing scores, I'm just going to throw this over to Leah. This is my high-scoring song with a solid 13. Um, this song for me, it's like every time I, I think of the essence of what it is, it's like through all the trials, tribulations of this existence, it was all an essence of love. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Crow wrote this song. That was nice of her to, to give this really good song to, to, to Stevie. <laughs> Um, so Alex, I, I had mentioned offline, I'm like, we're all over the place with our <laughs> scores. So Leah gives us the highest, this is one of your lowest. Yeah. Um, and this was really hard to do. It was hard to score some of these songs lower on the album because there's nothing on the album that I really, really dislike, but if I'm in the grand scheme of things, it's, I have to put certain songs above others. Sure. So yeah, Leah, I'm sorry. This is my two. It's. It's a good song, but yeah, yeah, this one's a little ranks a little lower for me. Okay. Uh, again, Stevie's voice is pretty on the song, but that's that's about all I could say about this yeah. one. <laughs> and this and this is my five, so it's not one of my higher ones, but I do still really like this song. Um, I will say this: I there's not a skippable song on this album. Agreed, not at all. So. So when I'm so when we're giving lower scores for this, um, usually when we do some records, when I say this is my two, I really do mean that it's the deuce of the record. Um, this is not this is not the case for this record. So, all right. Uh, speaking of lower songs, um, here is uh, here's the next song. So love changes. Yeah, and if this sounds a little different, um, there's a different producer on on this, uh, David Kahn, whose uh, resume is also pretty impressive. Uh, worked with Paul McCartney, Tony Bennett, a lot of punk acts related in the 80s, like Fishbone. When I look at the credits, 
I kind of know why this is one of my lower songs. There's no drummer on this, and you can totally tell. There's there's too much, too much programming, too much keys for my taste, and I think the song just kind of suffers for that. Fair enough. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is my one as well, Alex. Oh yeah. This is my one. All right. We're all in agreement. Here we go. Do we need to spend yeah. any more time on Love Changes? I don't I think, don't think so. so. No, I don't think so either. All right. Um, <laughs> so next one is I Miss You. And this was Words by Stevie, Music by Rick uh, Knowles. Rick is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, his resume is bonkers. You can go go look at that. He has written some other songs with Stevie, including Rooms on Fire and I Can't Wait, which are some Stevie staples. Yeah. And um, we have talked about... Rick before on the podcast when we did our episode about the new Radicals because he co-wrote You Get What You Give which is a staple of the 90s alright um, I think my problem with this song is it does sound like 2000 early 2000s overproduction just a little too crisp I like I like Stevie on, on a little bit on the edge and I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm reading into this. But what do you think, Alex? Um, I think the song is gorgeous. Um, I scored it in the middle, but I really enjoyed it. And I love, I love when Lindsay. This features Lindsay Buckingham on guitar and backing vocals. Yes. And I love when they come together and they sing because their voices mix together really well. There's a great blend. Uh, it's a, it's a definite highlight on the album. I love the key change. Um, it should have been a single. This is a this is a great song. Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't a single, considering they could have thrown out that Lindsay's on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything, Leon, on I Miss You? I, I feel like I just gravitate towards any song that's written by Stevie. So this one I scored an eight. Okay. All right, this was my three. Alex, what was your score again? This was my five. All right. Um, next up is Bombay Sapphires. It's like Bombay Sapphires. Hey, I can take you higher. Whatever you desire, I can mend your heart. It is green. Ooh, it is aquamarine. And I'm just going to throw it to Alex because you had the highest score out of all three of us. So, yeah, this to me is the second uh, Planets of the Universe on the album. It's very ethereal again. It's kind of rocking, but it's got some really cool percussion. And it like it's it evokes image evokes images in my head with the with the lyrics. And I would swear Lindsay's playing guitar on this one, too, but he's not. It's kind of got that finger picky sound that I love. Uh, this song is just great. I, I, I love it. I love Macy Gray's backing vocals. Uh, yeah, this is this is my eight. Okay, and you mentioned the uh, the the cool percussion. Yep, I love Lenny Castro. Uh, oh, it he is Lenny. Is doing the, it is Lenny. He's doing the percussion on this. Um, and if you love um, yacht rock, Lenny's on a lot of those. A lot of those yacht rock um, from from back in the day. Last time I saw Toto live. Yep. Lenny was on the percussion there. So, um, Lenny saves this from being my one. <laughs> so I gave, I gave this my two. Um, Leo, what, what, what's, what's your score on this one? I scored it a three. So I'm right above you there. Oh. A- anything on Bombay Sapphires that dropped it down for you? You know, I love that it's sonically driven. So anything that's like, 
you know, more atmospheric. I feel like it, it takes you to another another planet. Pun intended. Intended. There you but. go. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Fall from Grace. And I forgot to mention the last song. So the the songwriting credits for these last three songs are Stevie. Um, this is another song that's a little biographical for her. talks about um, talks about the tension of the band. Alex, what do you got on this one? Uh, I love it when Stevie just gets the chance to rock out, and this song does just that. It kicks up the me- momentum towards the end of it, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, you you nailed it with like the the lyrical theme. It's about you know the difficulty of the Fleetwood Mac reunion tour. That bridge at the end—that's my favorite part. Like Stevie is just going in on again. My guess is Lindsay, but who knows who she's going in on? Maybe it's Mick. Yeah, I, I love this song. Great, 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 great song. She doesn't rock out enough. <laughs> plenty of shade to go around for for everyone right yep yeah anything on this one leah this one was high for me i scored it in 11 um i think more so just because it was kind of her you know her way of stepping into and owning her part in everything but also not letting anybody get by with what their role was as well you know yeah i especially that last verse where oh, yeah. she sa- where she says maybe I'm calmer now maybe things are fine maybe I made the whole thing up maybe it isn't a lie that's I think that's her owning it which I'm not I, I'm not entirely sure that there's a lot of songs where she's she's willing to take that 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 ownership of her part in things so it's kind of refreshing yeah, yeah, kind of refreshing. Yeah. All right, Alex, what was your score on this one? This was my 10. Okay, and this was my 8. Leo, one more time for your score. This was my um, 11. Okay, and then last but not least, we're going to wrap this up with Love Is... This one a six. Okay. I just feel like this song uh, has a place in my heart, and I feel like I've tried to mirror um, her lyricism in this song a lot of times within my own world. Yeah. Alex, anything on Love Is? Um, I think it's one of the most gorgeous songs on the album. It's a pretty simple message, but it's a powerful message. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin plays the piano and sings backing vocals. Um, I love how her voice just floats over this kind of beautifully and hauntingly. And this was for a period of time when Stevie Nicks would do solo shows in the mid to late two thousands. This was her set, like her set closer. This was her encore song. She would play this and that would be it. So I think the song probably has some special meaning to her as well. This is my seven. And I, I like this from, from the standpoint, from the literary standpoint, I feel like, She's very Hemingway-esque in her economy of words on this. I just think it's overall, it's a beautiful song. If, you, if you're if you really not paying too much attention to the lyrics, it feels like um, a person asking questions and, and then answering the responses, which it's not. It's supposed to be, you know, a dialogue between two people. Um, here's what's funny. Alex, you mentioned the Sarah McLaughlin thing. My original notes when I re-listened to this was, this kind of sounds like a Sarah song. (laughs) 
and then I had to laugh when I saw the credits. Um, and also, it's produced by Pierre Marchand, who is, oh, by the way, um, he produces all of Sarah McLaughlin's <laughs> albums. So there, so there, so there you go. Um, I I love gorgeous songs like this. I'm a sucker for it. This is my 13. This is, and this is one of my favorite overall Stevie Nicks songs. Aww. If you know you you already mentioned Alex. If you had to do a, a top five or a top ten Stevie, this would be on my top ten. It's just a gorgeous song. I love it. Uh, it's it's beautiful. All right, Alex, your score. This is my seven. Leah. Six. Okay. So this is where I usually say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I'm trying to think. I think, I think we covered it pretty well. Pretty well. Like this album was, you know, it was a bit of a comeback for her. This kind of put her her solo career like back in the spotlight, and she kind of ended up, you know, re reemerging in a way. I think outside of the the world of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, and I felt like it wasn't just because the dance came out a couple of years previous. I feel like it is because this album is actually really strong. It's yes. it's a great album. Leah, thank you very much for 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 picking it. That's this was this was great. Thank you all so much for dissecting it. So informative. I enjoyed this so much. You guys ready to hear the our top 5? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. Number 1 Sorcerer, average score of 10.66. Uh, second was Fall from Grace, an average score of 9.66. Third, Planets of the Universe. That's um, I tried to tank it for you, Alex, but um, <laughs> your 13 was too strong. Um, and we have a tie for fourth, which is uh, Too Far from Texas and Love Is. So all apologies to Leah, but your 13, we, um, we tanked it out of the top five for you. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> I'm so, so, sorry about that. No all worries. Right. All right. So, so Leah, tell tell people where they can find all your happenings. I know you're you're going on tour with Marcus. You're on you're on the road right now. So, tell people where they can find all of your happenings. Sure. Um, social media, everything is Leah Blevins Music. Um, my website is also leahblevinsmusic.com, um, and then that email link is leahblevinsmusic. Um, at gmail so it should be easy to kind of find those resources going out on the road with marcus and um those are like the only foreseeable tour dates that i have right now alex how how about you where can people find the sly dog music cast you can find me on facebook sly dog music cast you can find me at twitter at sly dog podcast uh, you can find me wherever you, you don't download podcasts. I just got on uh, Amazon Alexa. By the way, you can ask your Alexa to play me now, and I'll play. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, the show the show is getting out there and playing playing in, on more platforms. So yeah, go check me out. You'll find me. All right, good for you. All right, Leah. Last question. We throw this out to all of our guests. So um, who do you know that I don't know who should come on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? I'm going to pass this on to my husband. His name is Paul McDonald. Yes. His story is beautiful. His soul is beautiful. And I think that you all would kick it. Love it. Okay. What What do you think? Let, let's, let's play prediction. What do you think Paul's going to pick? Oh, gosh. I'm going to go ahead and say Jack, something Jackson Brown. <laughs> okay. We, okay. We have done a couple Jackson Brown records, just so you know. Well, I, I feel like he grew up on Joni Mitchell, Jackson Brown, the Laurel Canyon crew, so uh, many eras of Laurel Canyon, but he, he was raised on the right type of music for sure. We love it all. Perfect. Okay. So um, here's here's my plugs. You, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to Records Revisited Podcast for that. Wayne is on the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast for a little bit different content than what you would find on Facebook. I'm also at Twitter or on Twitter at Podcast Records there. And then, of course, um, for anyone who wants to uh, join us for an episode as a as a guest listener um, or a listener guest, I don't I don't even know how to how to say this. Um, <laughs> if you contribute on our Patreon, um, where you can get episodes early, 
um, you can join us for, for an episode as well. Go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for all the details on that. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. All of our favorites are going back out there, but please do it responsibly. Please um, wear your mask and do the whole social distancing thing. You know you know the drill about safety. We want everybody to be safe out there. Make sure you buy a T-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Um, maybe one that's called First Time Feeling. Visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Out. Out. Out.